Hey friends, welcome to today's episode of A Little Motivated Podcast, hosted by physician assistant Casey McIntosh and registered dietitian Tara Maurice, where personal development and wellness meet reality. We are here to motivate women to grow despite time restrictions by delivering purposeful step-by-step actions and health information. It's afternoon for me, morning for you. It is morning. I saw you drinking coffee and I'm a little jealous because I probably shouldn't have any more. I tried to not drink any after noon, but every now and then I have to, if I know I'm going to have practice and all the things. Yeah. How much coffee do you drink in a day? Just curious. I probably drink a cup and a half. Probably like one mug. Yeah. And then I might have another cup in the afternoon, maybe once or twice a week, but that's pretty good for me, especially if I exercise and I don't have that energy slump. So just depends on how long I know my you, night's going to be. I might you know what else you could do instead of that coffee? coffee. So you could have a, no, I was going to say take a nap. Come on. get. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I wish I had time to take a nap. <laughs> you, oh, hear about this. Take a coffee nap. Have you heard of this? It's legit. You drink coffee. Yeah, I have. Have you done it? I have. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, I can attest. Yes, I've drank coffee, fallen asleep, and then woken up. Because normally, if I take a nap midday, I feel worse when I get up. Probably because I'm sleeping too long. It's not usually just twenty minutes. Um. But in this case, it was, I think it was maybe half an hour, but I did wake up feeling refreshed and yeah, yeah like I ready love to that. go. Oh, have so you done many it times. too? Not, it wasn't like I was thinking <laughs> I'm having a coffee nap right now. It was just, I had a coffee and then I took a nap. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was not intentional. <laughs> yeah. I should say. Yeah, exactly. I do it. I, every time I take a nap, I basically Ooh. take a coffee nap because I'm either you know, drinking coffee or I'm sleeping. No, I'm just teasing. Um, anyway, well, what do you have, uh, for us today? Yeah. Um, well, definitely not in the realm of coffee or naps, which we should do a podcast on that uh, because I have so much more to say about that. But, um, so my topic today is on anger and you and I have talked about this a lot and it's come up for me recently. And so I thought, well, let's just talk about it because it's this common emotion that is just we're hardwired into us, us. It's not anything that we can escape. It can be helpful for sure. Uh, but lately I've had to come to terms with my own anger around 
pick something, you know, in the house. Um, so I've been really diving into my triggers and why and all of those things. Um, what do you think about when you hear the word? Well, I was anger? just thinking that it was a little bit amusing that you just said, oh, just recently I've been thinking about this because basically, <laughs> like, at the point at which your kid is old enough to have free will, I think parental anger goes up proportionally to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like I've always had that emotion, especially after my kids were born and things just, things became more complicated, but I would say in the last couple months, I've been more mm. aware yeah. of it. Um, I haven't been as gripped by it, I guess. Right. Like I've had more choices and chances to change the way I react. Whereas when the kids were really little, um, I was so sleep deprived and not taking coffee naps <laughs> that I was just doing whatever I could. I didn't have time to self-reflect or it was, it was really hard. So, uh, yeah. So I've been being a little more intentional about well, that. Well, I think too, lately. when you have kids, you don't have as much control over your life as you once did before you had kids. There's a lot more chaos and they are the leaders of everything that's going on in your life. So that definitely, that definitely makes it easier to have anger when you don't feel like things are in control. For sure. And anger is, it, well, stress is usually a precursor to anger. Um, you know, so that's very common. 90% of all disease starts with stress, which is not hard to believe. I mean, at its best, anger can be a motivator for change for sure. Stress, anger helps us get motivated and take action. Um, but at its worst, just can cause destruction and ultimately Well, and I think issues. the thing is anger is a natural emotion and it's something that we're all going to experience. It's just, are you letting it control? First of all, okay, are you acting out as a result of the anger? And number two, are you letting it control your life? Are you letting it control your life to the point where it's controlling you. And I think when you get to that point, that's when you have increased risk of chronic health problems when it's the center of everything. Sure. Yeah. When the stress is out of control and there's no stress management and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but before I want to know what your biggest stressors are. Um, <laughs> Do we have time? <laughs> okay. So my oldest son is definitely a big stress for me because I mean, all of them are. I got to say my youngest one this morning was crying because he wanted shorts. I put shorts on him. Then he wanted pants. Then I couldn't find any pants that were acceptable. And then the pants that he told me he didn't want to wear went in the washing machine. And there were 30 minutes of crying as a result of that. So definitely I would say kids, that's a huge stressor for me. I think that's probably one of the biggest stressors. Um, and then probably the things that I should be doing that I'm not doing, but those aren't things that necessarily make me angry. They just add to my overall stress. Yeah. Yeah. So kids can be stressors and they, t that, that can turn into some anger. Um, but your procrastination and some of those other habits that you've talked about on other episodes cause you stress, but not necessarily anger. I think that there it. is this kind of layering on effect of stress that leads to a lot of anger for me. For example, if two of my kids are fighting and then 
a few minutes go by and then one kid does something that is mean to another kid. And then it just adds piles and piles and piles. And then you just hit this steam, you know, this boiling point where it's hard to come back from it. Yeah. You feel out of control and it's, you know, it triggers our fight or flight response. It's biological, it's, it's physiological, right? So our, our blood pressure rises and our heart rate increases, which over time can cause a lot of health issues if we can't manage that every time. If we can't manage breaking up those fights or we can't manage how we're reacting to my kid getting his shoes on, taking 15 minutes to get <laughs> two shoes on. Um, yeah, you're right. So it can definitely negatively impact our health over time. It's okay in the moment, but we need to learn to recognize it and deal with it because it can spiral out of control so quickly. Um, and for me, one of my biggest triggers um, is sleep. Oh my gosh, I had no Just idea. Just not getting enough of it? <laughs> so kids. So is that what you mean? Not getting enough of it. I need eight out, eight solid out, eight to nine hours. I'm almost no. ashamed to say I need that much. I'd never get eight to nine hours. I might once a weekend, maybe, but chronically getting seven, six or less, six to seven is really hard for me. And when I start getting tired, everything, like everything makes me irritable and angry. And I run a little bit impatient anyway. It's just my nature. So I'm working on that. But if I don't get stress or sleep, then I'm way more likely to blow up. Well, I think what it is, is it just brings your threshold down like 40 points. You know, your threshold might be higher. Your tolerance might be higher. And then on those days that you're sleep deprived, it's just going to take a less amount of stressors to get to that point where you want to explode. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's not great for anyone. And because I'm more tuned into it now, um, exercise is another one. If I'm not exercising, same as sleep, then I don't have an outlet for my stress, which turns into anger. So I guess this episode is about stress and anger. But um, so I've re realized that these are the two things that are really important to me. So I've been really making sure that I get enough sleep. Um, I go to sleep when my kids go to bed. I don't normally stay up too much later unless there's a really good Netflix show that I just have to watch all the episodes. <laughs> um, and I really make sure to exercise, do something daily that gets my heart rate up because I just know that's like a fail safe. What about you? Do you have any exercises or anything that you know will help you stay more balanced? Well, I just think time alone is really helpful for me. And that's when I can go walk the dog or something, get out of the house for a little while and where no one can ask me for things. Because I think that's another tough thing as a mom that somebody always needs something from you. And so I think it's good for me to, to get away. I do like to read or watch TV or whatever in the evening after the kids are in bed. That's helpful. But then again, it takes from your sleep. And I'm exactly like you. I could say that 10 hours is what my body would go for if I let it. <laughs> so feel no shame. Yeah. Oh, uh, lovely. I know. It's actually a curse. I'm, it's just my body type. I just need to more sleep. Yeah. And so over the time, I've just become really tuned into it, um, in part because my kids are like, mom, you're rude or mom, you're this. And they're going to say that anyway. Right. But I know now when I am being more rude or short. So, and before this is huge too, and you'll probably agree, but before kids, I could walk away. 
if something was stressful, I could just leave the situation. But I, you can't now if, if your kids are fighting. You cannot walk away from your children or whatever's going on. So you have to stay and deal with it. You don't always have that option. And something I teach my clients um, when I'm working on them with food is mindfulness. So when I'm more mindful of the emotional state I'm in or if I've slept or how I'm feeling, then I can help change my behaviors or at least um, do the best that I can when things go awry because I'm more mindful of how I'm feeling. I can be more intentional about, okay, I know my heart rate's rising. Um, I need to walk away or I haven't eaten in the last couple hours. I need to get a snack before I lose on my kids. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things that you could do in that moment, but I think the biggest thing is to you recognize that you're being triggered. Number one, because sometimes we react before we even recognize that we were triggered and then it's too late. You've already gone down the, the path and you don't have that opportunity to change paths and abort this explosion. Yeah, exactly. And by that time you're dysregulated, your blood sugar's already risen, your blood pr pressure has already risen. And it's really hard to come back for, from that. Um, and it just, it can start this emotional, not, not only emotional eating cycle, but this guilt shame pattern too, of feeling bad that you lashed out and guilty. And, um, but yeah, so the work is to be emotionally responsive, no, witnessing your emotions, noticing what you're feeling, and then taking a breath uh, and responding from that place of mindfulness of, versus reactivity. Yeah. So I'm working on that. And I know in order to be able to do that, I have to have some exercise and sleep. And then I've also written down, and I'll share with you and you listeners, the three things that I've really come to notice trigger me the most. Uh, those are my boundaries being crossed. <laughs> I would think most people might say that. I really like to have control over things. And I think maybe for someone like me, any boundaries being crossed really like irks me. So I'm working on that, like being tested when the kids are like, why, why, why? But can I have another piece? Can I have another piece? Right? Like that just eats at me. <laughs> of course I give in every now and then, but sometimes if I'm dysregulated, that just, oh, that gets Yeah. Me. And this is not a parenting podcast, obviously, but one thing that can be helpful when you give those boundaries is to give the boundaries before something happens. Like here's the dessert. There's only one serving. End of story. Don't ask me for more because that way the kids already know what you're what your plan is. Yeah. So setting right. up those expectations, right? If you're in a meeting with someone, Hey, I only have 15 minutes, phone call, text, whatever, like setting up those boundaries. I have done that in certain meetings that have really helped because I'm letting people know, you know, everybody's time is important, but if we don't set some expectations around things, um, then yeah, boundaries can get crossed or. Well, and I think, yeah, that might um, sort of be a cultural thing is that maybe culturally we don't set up our boundaries and let people know what our expectations are, but then we definitely get upset when they get crossed, you know, like, okay, if you don't know that it's upsetting to me, if you forget my birthday and then you forget my birthday and I get upset, well, like, obviously you have to tell people what you need. That's yeah. something that a lot of people could work on. It's for sure. It's the whole people pleasing thing and we not wanting to look like we're rude or self-centered, but really holding my boundaries is like 
alone time for you. If I don't get, I tell my kids, like if I don't get in bed at a certain time, um, I'm not going to be nice the next day or it's going to be to be really hard for me. And this is why it's important that we are doing this, this, or that, whatever. So with, yeah, not just with my kids, like you said, but with anybody or in life work. So definitely boundaries being crossed, huge one for me, really working on it. Uh, when this really kind of goes into number two is feeling a lack of control because when I don't feel like I'm in control or the house is a little messy or, um, that leads to feelings of anxiousness for me. And I don't like that feeling. So then I feel a little bit on edge and I'm a little jittery and then I can't, um, always come back from that if I get too much in my head. So I really have to work on what is in my control right now and what isn't in my control. That's been a huge practice and that's where mindfulness helps. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know that feeling because my house is not finished and it's a constant state of, um, feeling out of control. So, you know, when I get that sense of feeling out of control, I just work on the things that I can control. Like you said, like, well, at least you can pick up a pile of toys that's on the floor or you can sweep the floor or you can throw a pile of clothes in the laundry or whatever it is. You can do something that gives back that feeling of control on some level. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so true. Even if it's small. And I've been trying to practice the mantra. Um, I saw this somewhere. Uh, my house is messy or my house is a mess. Oh, oh a mess. <laughs> my house is a mess, but I am not a mess. You know, it's not in, I'm not internalizing that mess as me. Could I just say I'm a complete mess, but I'm not a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Does that work? Yeah, this isn't every day. Sometimes my house is a mess and I am a mess. But... Everything in my life is a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's an episode. <sighs> yes. You are truly not a mess, Casey. Uh, yeah. So anyway, and I think too, like when I'm feeling a lack of control and I'm dysregulated and things are wonky, that energy just permeates out to whoever's around me, whether I'm in with a client, which is normally, I'm usually try to go in very balanced, but with my family or with my friends, uh, I really try to not project that energy onto them. So I want to make sure that I'm at least feeling okay. And then if I'm not, I try to hold my boundaries. Hey, I'm really struggling today. I'm really impatient, guys. Just so you know, this is where I'm at. Uh, don't ask for anything extra today. Okay. Number three, uh, my third trigger is just fatigue. And I think everybody can probably relate to this too. Like when I am tired and I don't get enough sleep, like we talked about, I'm just really quick to anger. And I, my husband is not like this. And I'm very amazed how he can be really tired and still be really patient. I don't know about you, Casey, but like that is just a huge trigger because I run impatient anyway. And when I am tired, I have zero patience to give. What about you? Definitely. Yeah. I was actually just thinking of something else when you brought up your husband that I want to add to the list of things that are triggers for me. <laughs> But um, yeah, definitely being tired just makes everything more difficult, including managing kids and other things in your life that are stressful. So yeah, even managing my workload, you know, bouncing from one thing to the next just seems so overwhelming if I'm tired. And um, so yeah, that's when I've learned to 
Well, before I give my takeaways and my tips, what was one of your triggers? Oh, I hear this it. has got to be everyone's trigger. I'm, I'm serious. So one of my biggest triggers is when someone is nitpicking things that I'm doing or, or telling me that I should be doing something a different way than I am, especially if it's something really petty that just really gets under my skin. Mm, yes. Why does it have to be done? their way. Why can't it be done my way? Sometimes that is really irritating when people are constantly correcting what you're doing. At some point you're going to get aggravated. This is why parents shouldn't teach their kids how to do sports or be, you know, teach them a lot of different things. That's why we have teachers and all sorts of other people that help us raise our kids essentially, because our kids aren't going to respond as well to us as they will another adult since it seems less nitpicky when another person is giving you corrective tips versus spouse or a parent or a sibling. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. And I grew up that way. And so I don't really want to be criticized anymore. And I think there's a million ways to do it. You know, there's more than one way to do something, to wash the dishes, to load the dishwasher, to drive, well, drive your car. That's not a good example, but just. Well, here's the thing. I think that we are already super self-critical. Probably most of us, we're more critical of ourselves than other people are typically critical of us. And so when somebody else criticizes, it's hard not to internalize that and take it as our our own. But uh, again, with a mindfulness, that's really something you need to come back to because just you don't have to respond in a way that gives another person power over your emotions So again, I think it's the way that I internalize it versus the way that I should. It's probably partly reaction. For sure. And so, you know, if you recognize that anger is an emotion, not to be feared, it can be helpful. And as soon as you recognize that you have it being practicing mindfulness, and then you get curious, why does that make me so angry? Did I grow up like me? I grew up that way. And so that's where my anger stems from at being criticized. You do not like to be criticized. Uh, You know, practice pausing, noticing those sensations in your body. When I get criticized, maybe you tense up, maybe your jaw tightens and it just like really puts you in a state of stress. So just being curious and mindful can help you recognize why you're doing it so that you can work through that so that you can continue to uh, react in a more mindful way. Yeah. So that was my first tip is just recognizing that anger can, it's a normal emotion. It's not to be feared, but as we get curious about it, we learn our inner workings and I'm not a psychologist by any means, but as the more I look into how I grew up and my certain patterns, it's really helped me develop more mindfulness around my habits and change the ones that I can. In that same realm, I think having some idea, like you were mentioning, why do you feel the way you do? When something makes you angry, writing that down and trying to piece that puzzle back together in reverse might be really helpful because a lot of the times it's not rational thinking that leads to anger. It's the irrational thoughts in our heads. And if we can just piece that out, then we might realize, oh, I got angry for no reason. You know, I thought that there was a good reason to get angry and really there wasn't. You know what I mean? Right. So tip number two, recognize your triggers. Recognize what's going to get you to that level, red alert level, right? Like we had just talked about, like you're being criticized is a trigger for you and 
feeling my boundaries are being crossed is a huge trigger for me. So when you can recognize those triggers, yep, then you can continue to work backwards and do what you can to avoid those or minimize those. And then finally, just practice your responses to bring you back to balance. We can't always walk away if we're in the middle of a tense situation with our kids, but we can surely take deep breaths or say, I need to go in the other room for a minute. Let's go take a walk. Maybe it's exercise, whatever you have access to. But if you can't physically leave the room, you always have access to taking some deep breaths. And it's a very common thing. Everybody says take deep breaths, but really it's truly wonderful for lowering blood pressure, bringing yourself back into a mindful state. Um, doesn't bring you from a 10 to a two, but it can definitely bring you down so that you can rationalize enough to deal with the situation. Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking of other things that you could do in that moment, like maybe some squats or <laughs> you just start making some really weird faces and see how your kids react to that. <laughs> Laughter is great, right? Exercise, um, all sorts of things. But yeah, for me, it's kind of recognizing that it's okay to have anger, recognize what triggers me and being mindful of that and then really also practicing my responses because you know tomorrow morning my kids are going to be um, slow putting the shoes on just like every day so I need to practice what I'm going to mm -hmm. do in that situation or different situations that come up all the time things at work and right in life and so if you continue to have the same response then you're not helping yourself acting out in anger when we're feeling like we're boiling over never results in a productive outcome Literally, and unless it's some situation that is, it's like less than 1% of probably all anger in your life results in some positive outcome. And when you're thinking about the triggers, you could also think about the way that you would react and how that's going to influence what's going on in that moment. So if your kid is getting ready for school and they're not putting their shoes on and you yell out of frustration, that does not further motivate your child. It's not effective in any way which most of our anger does not result in a positive, effective outcome. And so thinking about the consequences of that, like really feeling the consequences of what is might be resulting in, it is a, a relationship that is now on the rocks where you don't have that good relationship with your kids. And I think sometimes you can get into this kind of roller coaster of just trying to get, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out a way to articulate what I mean. But when you're constantly having to nag one particular person, like I'm thinking about my oldest son, for example, right now, you get this sort of back and forth thing that happens every time there's stress between the two of you. And you just go down that same road. And this could happen with spouses, you know, kids, I think definitely parents and kids, but definitely spouses too, is that there's a trigger for that anger. And it just, it's like this neural pathway just opens up the same way every single time. And so when you're contemplating, what are my triggers, then you also have to think, what are the end results of my acting out in anger? How is that going to affect my relationships and my health and all sorts of other things? Because that could be really motivating. Yeah. And how can I, how can I come at it at a different angle? Because it's really easy to go in that same dance every single time. So what am I going to do differently this time? And Something that I do think is, has been positive in my anger over the last couple months is that it's a really good teaching opportunity for my kids. Um, hey, do you see how mom was really mad and it didn't really make anybody any better and how 
you know, this ended in crying and blah, blah, blah. You know, I go back and I apologize and the kids see that whole cycle. Um, the kids are obviously, obviously get angry at each other and at other people about things. And we work through that. So it can also be a good teaching moment because it doesn't feel good in their bodies either. They don't know how to self-regulate as well. And so we have to monitor that, but uh, monitor, is that the right word? We, we have to help them. Yeah. We as parents get to help our kids regulate their emotions. And we also, um, model it, model it yeah. for them when we are able to regulate or when we are dysregulated so they can see both and they can see how, um, how we can successfully come back to that. So I've been helping my kids with that too, because we go back to remember when mommy was really mad or remember when you were mad and you hit your, hit your sister. So there's takeaways to that. Um, we don't want it to happen all the time, obviously, but it's been a good learning tool for our family too, because I have kids that are kind of like me, two of them that can, you know, be a little bit more impatient. And so we're working through some of those things. So, yeah. And also yeah. when you are modeling that behavior of, I made a mistake, that was something that I did. It's my fault. And please forgive me for it. You're also teaching them to take ownership for their mistakes. And I think this could take a lot of time for certain kids, but I have someone in my life that's always saying, Oh, it's this reason is, is why I lost my job. Oh, this reason is, you know what I'm saying? Like I have someone in my life who likes to blame others for their own bad outcomes. And that's just not a very helpful reaction to anger. Yeah. Right. So we have to be able to own our emotions and do the work ourselves to keep ourselves regulated and recognize our triggers and um, work through it. It's really not easy and it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but it's something that I think we need to talk about more. And um, yeah, I hope some of those tips resonated with you listeners. And if you have some other tips or tricks that help you guys when you're in stressful situations, you know, we need, need like a head mask that gives us a scalp massage every time our blood pressure goes up <laughs> and pinches my shoulders right here. Yes, I need that too. <laughs> yeah. Something that's like vibrates or, you know, I don't know, that didn't sound good, but you know, in any case, in any case, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we will see yeah. you next time. Have a great week. Bye Casey. Okay. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to a little motivated podcast. We're going to be here with you every week. So just keep on listening and hopefully these tips will inspire you to be a little motivated. Um, take care.